Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of August 31st through September the 6th. Uh, this week, we will be seeing Mercury moving through the uh, third decan of Virgo and conjoining the fixed star Denebola at 21 degrees of Virgo on Monday the 31st. On Tuesday, September the 1st, Mercury will be conjoining the fixed star Alkes at 23 degrees of Virgo, which is part of the constellation Crater, the Sacred Cup. Uh, on that same day, Mercury will be trining a retrograde Pluto at 22 degrees of Virgo and Capricorn, just in time for the Sun to move into the second decan of Virgo, and we will discuss the Nine of Pentacles. On Wednesday, the 2nd of September, uh, we will be experiencing our full moon at 10 degrees of Pisces, uh, opposite the 10-degree Virgo sun. Uh, this full moon lunation will be trine Uranus in Taurus at 10 degrees, so we will break down that as well. Um, on this same day, Venus will be perfecting an opposition to a retrograde Saturn at 25 degrees of Cancer and Capricorn. Uh, Venus will also conjoin the fixed star Procyon at 26 degrees of Cancer on that day. Um, and finally, the one of the, the aspects on Wednesday the 2nd, a very busy astrological day, uh, is the Sun will be making a trine to retrograde Uranus at 10 degrees of Virgo and Taurus, and then simultaneously conjoin the fixed star Zosma at 11 degrees Virgo. On Thursday, uh, September the 3rd, Mercury will trine retrograde Saturn at 25 degrees of Virgo and Capricorn. And Mercury will also be emerging as the evening star at 26 degrees of Virgo. This is a condition of phasis where Mercury will be emerging from the underworld and giving us some sort of message and, and carrying forth some sort of knowledge that it gained during that Kazemi moment with its conjunction of the sun. So we'll break that down. On Friday, September the 4th, Venus will be squaring Mars at 27 degrees of Cancer and Aries, respectively. Mercury will also sextile Venus at 28 Virgo to 28 Cancer. So uh, we will talk about the relationship between Venus and Mars and the potentially some difficult conversations that we're having in our relationships and how to navigate that with Mercury assisting. Uh, and then finally, over the weekend, we have a couple of planetary ingresses as Mercury changes signs to the Venus-ruled domicile of Libra on Saturday the 5th. We'll, we will discuss the Two of Swords and its relationship with the guardian of the underworld, Mott, who was weighing the heart against the weight of a feather. And then on Sunday, uh, September the 6th, Venus will move out of the opposition with all of the Capricorn planets from its position in Cancer and move into the first decan of Leo, uh, and we will discuss the Five of Wands. All right. So I hope that you're doing well out there. Uh, we are uh, working through some difficult astrology in the sky. Um, we've had a pretty intense week, I would say. Um, as I'm recording this on Saturday, the 29th, um, just doing a lot of processing today on Saturn's day. Uh, of course, earlier in the week, we had the events in Kenosha, Wisconsin with the murder of Jacob Blake, as well as the subsequent actions of Kyle Rittenhouse uh, at the Kenosha protests. Um, so there's a lot of Mars-Saturn square significations that we've been working through, some frustration, some anger, 
uh, some conflict between the people and the system. Uh, also, got the news yesterday that uh, Chadwick Boseman passed away after a four-year battle with cancer that was um, kind of a surprise to everyone. And uh, just thinking a lot about his impact on society and the moment in history that we're living through, um, Chadwick uh, chose to exit the material plane on the same day that they celebrate Jackie Robinson uh, in Major League Baseball, where every player wears the number 42. And if you're not familiar with Chadwick's work beyond the be, portraying the superhero Black Panther, um, he also portrayed Jackie Robinson in the movie 42 and uh, James Brown, as well as Thurgood Marshall. He played a lot of very prominent and important historical figures, uh, black historical figures in his work. And um, just thinking a lot about the uh, mythology that we experience as a collective through cinema and what a great loss that it is for um, you know, not only the black community, but for, for everyone, um, with Chad McBoseman being such a prominent figure uh, as far as representation is concerned and seeing black people being portrayed, not just as criminals or as criminals or something like that, but as, as heroes. And um, all I can say that I just, I'm mourning that loss uh, very intensely today uh, I remember going to see Black Panther in the theater with my partner and how important, seeing how important that was for her too. My, my partner is Black and, and we had a lot of discussions about how important that movie was. And we could feel it as we were watching um, that movie, how, how much of a significance it had culturally. And we could see the, the movement of the, the pride of uh, the Black community seeing someone uh, represented in that fashion. And it was just really moving and very powerful. And um, yeah, I'm just feeling really sad about it today. I'm really, really getting choked up because um, I think that there are certain actors in, in the world that sometimes are portraying um, more divine ideals. And I think that a person like Chadwick was able to tap into characters that had a more universal impact. And um, just the fact that, that his voice is being raised at this such important moment in history is, uh, it's just a powerful thing. Um, and I guess my heart goes out to his family and to the community at large. And I just wanted to acknowledge that today because it's part of the backdrop that we've been uh, you know, trying to unfold some of these astrological significations. And this is coming on the heels. And I'm trying to just contextualize everything that we're living through right now, because I think part of the challenge with astrology and part of the gift of it is to be able to contextualize what we are experiencing as a collective through the symbolism. And we saw some very intense symbolism playing out with Mars and Saturn, um, especially where we saw the inequality of a another black man being uh, murdered, well, being shot, I guess he didn't die, but uh, being abused at the hands of an unfair oppressive system, while an, a, a young white man, a young white teenager, a child, 
uh, murdered protesters and walked right past a number of police officers. It's um, a very stark contrast in how policing in this country has been um, working. And uh, it's frustrating. And that, that, that Mars-Saturn energy speaks a lot to our frustration as a community and as a collective. And it was just very stark, that contrast. And I think that um, another interesting thing that came out of that last week when we were experiencing the first quarter moon with the um, moon in Sagittarius drawing upon belief systems and the uh, sun in Virgo, where we were thinking about uh, how we are portraying our skills, how we are, uh, you know, looking at the details of life. And we saw a boycott from a team that I've followed for most of my life, a professional sports team, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they decided after the events in Kenosha, Wisconsin, their, their home state, to stage a, a boycott of one of their playoff games. I thought that was a really powerful statement. Um, and it brings up a lot of questions about how we are treating uh, the black community as far as being willing to consume culture and consume them as entertainment, but then unwilling to treat them as human beings when they take off the uniform or step down from the stage or aren't being portrayed as mythic figures in cinema. And I think that those are questions that we should be asking as a community as well. And I applaud the Milwaukee Bucks for being, being able to take a stand and say, we are not going to provide that type of entertainment um, without being treated with respect and as human beings um, off of the court. And I think that if, uh, as a movement, if we are, um, if we're not going to be heard by protesting in the streets, there was a lot of money at stake in advertising dollars in, in major league playoff games and things like that. I think that one of the things that is in another way to raise voices and to enact change is hit them in the pocketbook. And if, uh, if you don't listen by protesting in the streets, uh, you, you have to kind of speak the language of the hierarchy right now. And, and unfortunately, the, the language of the higher-ups right now is the language of money. And we live in this capitalist society where, where money speaks the loudest. And uh, I thought that was a very powerful statement. And there was some real change, I think, that came out of that. And hopefully that, that movement can continue on. Um, one of the, the interesting things that came out of that was NBA uh, owners uh, opening up their arenas to be voting and polling places um, for the November election. And some of those arenas are, are located in uh, underrepresented areas. And I think that's, that's some very tangible change that we could see coming out of this, um, this strike or this boycott that we saw. So we'll see. Um, so that's kind of the... The, um, the context of what we're dealing with this week. And I just wanted to talk about that first because I think that um, knowing where we came from in the previous week will help us understand where we're going as we, as we see the fruition of, of this lunation happening at the full moon, um, if, as we deal with the fallout of the Mars-Saturn square that we're going to really be dealing with for the next few months. So these actions and these uh, events in the collective are going to help us to see that symbolism, and we're going to be able to break that down 
in greater contextual reality. Okay, so let's move forward to our planetary condition report. I'm going to share my screen here. I hope that you're all doing well out there. Uh, this is actually the third time that I've attempted to record this. The first time the power went out in my uh, house, and the second time my computer overheated and all of the um, all the audio was corrupted. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see what happens today. Fingers crossed. Uh, I've got a, a, a backup audio here. So if something does end up being corrupted and, and the audio that I put on this video is not as good, we'll, we'll just have to deal with it, right? Okay, so let's move forward with the planetary condition report for this week. The sun is going to start out. And let me get the right chart up here. Okay, there we go. The sun is going to start out this week uh, at 8 degrees of Virgo and move to 14 degrees of Virgo. It's going to change faces from the first face of Virgo to the second face. Um, it does have dignity by face in the first face of Virgo. It will conjoin the fixed star Zosma this week at 11 degrees of Virgo, which is, has some associations with victimhood and martyrdom. Uh, we saw this fixed star being activated with Mercury last week. Um, when we saw some of the events that were playing out in Kenosha. Uh, so we're going to get a greater awareness of these things as we move forward this week. Uh, the sun will be on the terms of Venus from 7 to 17 degrees this week. It will be co-present with its host Mercury at the beginning of the week. It is making a trine, an overcoming trine to Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn. It will be sextiling uh, Venus at the beginning of the week in Cancer. It will then be making, it'll also be making the trine to Uranus and Taurus and in opposition to Neptune in Pisces. It, of course, is, is co-present with its host, Mercury, but then it will be in aversion with its host once Mercury moves into Libra. So we are seeing a condition where uh, it is going to be able to draw upon its, its mercurial resources by uh, staying in the, in the temple of Mercury at the beginning of the week. And then it's kind of like Mercury is aware that the sun is there and able to provide it what it wants or what it needs to, to do its authoritative, commanding type of awareness, vital uh, growth type of significations. But then Mercury is going to be going on a trip and not really able to provide uh, the type of resources that the sun desires right now. So if you have solar significations that you're trying to, to have work out in the beginning, beginning of the week, um, it's, it's important to get them done before Mercury moves into Libra. Okay, Saturn is going to be retrograde this week in Capricorn, uh, moving backwards from 26 to 25 degrees of Capricorn, where it is in its own domicile. Uh, it will be in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees and then moving back into its own terms from 20, 22 to 26 degrees. Uh, it is trining Mercury uh, and the Sun at the beginning of the week. It will also be making a square to Mercury once Mercury moves into Libra. It will be opposing Venus in Cancer and also co-present with Jupiter and Pluto in Capricorn. Um, it is making an overcoming square to Mars in Aries, which we've seen uh, perfecting, or we saw the ex one of the exact hits of that last week. Uh, 
we will be experiencing another exact hit at the end of this month due to, excuse me, due to Mars's retrograde. At the same time, it perfects again, I believe on the 29th of September, Saturn will be moving direct. So this is a, a, an energy of frustration that isn't going to be going anywhere in the near future. Saturn will also be trining uh, Uranus and Taurus and sextiling Neptune and Pisces. It, of course, is its own host being able to provide its own resources, which in this case, uh, Saturn is providing significations of limitation, of decay, of, of kind of a composting energy. This is a, a place in the zodiac that is uh, concerned with power structures and with hierarchy. It's also concerned with forms leaving the material realm. So we can think of significations of death, decay, um, people leaving the physical plane like, like Chadwick did uh, recently. Um, Jupiter will be retrograde, moving through 17 degrees of Capricorn this week, where it is in its fall, where it is in a difficult place. It is being hosted by Saturn. So it, it has a desire to create growth and expansion and to be connected to the higher self, but it is very much concerned right now with uh, dealing with those Saturnian themes that we just discussed. Jupiter will be on the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees. Uh, it will be co-present with Saturn, its host, and Pluto in Capricorn. It will be trining Mercury in Virgo and then squaring Mercury in Libra. It will also be making an overcoming square to Mars in Aries. Uh, we are going to see Jupiter uh, opposing Venus in Cancer, making a trine to Uranus and Taurus, and sextiling Neptune in Pisces. It is, of course, co-present with its host Saturn in Capricorn. Yeah, it's difficult times for Jupiter right now. We're just moving through this uh, Jupiterian fall position where it is sort of at the bottom of the wheel of fortune. Uh, this is a time where uh, the, the growth is, is curtailed, that we're having to receive, but within um, maybe a, a compromised position. So even if, if Jupiter does want to give some gifts, it is uh, from a, a position of weakness. So if we are receiving good things from Jupiter uh, this year, it, it may be compromised in some way and, and in, a, in a way that isn't as maybe as, as bountiful as we have, might have hoped or uh, in a position that is dealing with the, the limitations. Mars this week is in the sign of Aries, its home domicile, moving from 27 to 28 degrees of Aries. It will be in the terms of Saturn from 25 to 30 degrees. So it is exchanging terms with Saturn at the beginning of the week before Saturn retrogrades back into the terms of Saturn. Uh, Mars is receiving that overcoming square from Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn. It will be making its own overcoming square to Venus in Cancer. And then it eventually will trine Venus once it moves into the sign of Leo. Uh, once Mercury moves into Libra, it will start in opposition with Mercury. So uh, our ability to reason will start to get uh, start to get fired up with that opposition with, with Mars, and our discussions might get a little more heated with that opposition. Mars is, of course, in its own domicile, 
drawing upon its own resources that are related to um, severance, separation, um, speeding things up with violence, um, with, you know, anytime we have a, a, a malefic planet like Mars or Saturn in its own temple, uh, we are dealing with concepts of change and of uh, things that are antithesis to the process of life and of growth. If we think about these related to our um, farming metaphors, these agricultural metaphors, uh, we can't always have uh, growth that is um, always going to be unlimited. We have these malefics playing the role of consolidation and co condensing of the, the fall and the winter. You know, a, a lot of these planets are at their strongest in, in fall and winter seasons, where Mars has its exaltation during the winter season of Capricorn. Uh, Saturn has its exaltation at the beginning of fall, where we see the, the darkness starting to overcome the power of the light or the daytime hours. All right. Venus this week is moving through the final degrees of Cancer from 23 to 30 degrees of Cancer. It is conjoined the fixed star Pollux at the beginning of the week, and then it will conjoin the fixed star Procyon. It has some, tripl some triplicity dignity in the daytime as the triplicity ruler of the water signs by day. It will be moving through the terms of Jupiter from 19 to 26 degrees, and then the terms of Saturn from 26 to 30 degrees. It is finishing up its opposition with Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn. So we're bringing up a lot of difficult feelings. We are cleansing uh, emotions through catharsis. We are dealing with themes of excess versus lack, having versus scarcity, uh, and dealing with all of the deep emotions that are coming up with that uh, position of Venus in the third decan of Cancer. We're also receiving a square from Mars and Aries. Uh, Venus will be sextiling the Sun and Mercury in Virgo, and then eventually squaring very briefly Mercury in Libra. It will be sextiling Uranus in Taurus and trining uh, Neptune in Pisces. The host of Venus in Cancer is the Moon, where it is waxing to the full position and then after that perfects, it will start waning to the disseminating phase. Now, Venus will be changing signs and changing temples on Sunday the 6th that will move into the temple of the sun. Uh, it will move into the first degree of Leo at the end of the week where it is peregrine. It will be in the terms of Jupiter from zero to six degrees. It will then move into a trine relationship with Mars and Aries sextile Mercury in Libra, and begin a square relationship with Uranus in Taurus. It will be in aversion to its host, uh, the Sun in Virgo. So even though we're getting out of this opposition-type gauntlet with uh, Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter, it will have a difficult time getting the types of resources that it wants to craft identity and, and be able to harmonize uh, the self. Uh, I think a lot of the transitionary type of significations with, with Venus is that 
we have gone through a lot of um, death of relationship significations and trying to reconcile what stays and what goes within our relationships. And then we're trying to figure out what are, what, how do we craft identity? What is left over as Venus moves through the uh, domicile of the sun? And there may be some confusion with that right away before the sun moves into Libra and gives us a little bit more clarity and moves into, I believe it'll move into a mutual reception in a few weeks, but we've got some, maybe some dark periods where we are a little bit confused about what we're doing in our relationships, trying to craft that new identity. All right, moving on to Mercury. Mercury is going to be moving through the third decan of Virgo this week from 20 to 30 degrees. It's moving very fast. It, is, it will have dignity by domicile, exaltation, and face in the final degrees of Mercury. It'll be moving through the terms of Jupiter from 17 to 21 degrees, uh, the terms of Mars from 21 to 28 degrees, and then the terms of Saturn from 28 to 30 degrees. So moving very quickly this week. It'll be co-present uh, with the Sun at the beginning of the week. It will trine Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn, and then make a sextile to uh, Venus in Cancer. It will also be trining Uranus and Taurus and making an opposition by whole sign to Neptune and Pisces. It is its own host right now uh, until it moves into the sign of Libra. Once it ingresses into Libra on Saturday the 5th, we will see it move from zero to two degrees of Libra, where it does lose most of that dignity by domicile, excitation, and face, but it will gain a different type of dignity, which is the triplicity rulership by the nighttime of the air sign. So it gains some communal support. It will be moving through the terms of Saturn from zero to six degrees and moving into a square relationship with Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto. It will also begin opposing Mars in Aries. Uh, it will stop squaring uh, Venus in Cancer and then start sextiling Venus in Leo. So a difficult uh, position for Venus, or I'm sorry, for Mercury once it moves into Libra. It'll be kind of stuck in that T-square, that cardinal T-square relationship with Mars and all of the Capricorn planets. So we may have some really difficult conversations where we feel that, that frustration of the Saturn-Mars square playing out in our conversations as we try to figure out what is fair and how to create justice for, uh, for those who uh, may not be as privileged as the people in power. All right, so the host of Mercury once it moves into Libra is uh, Venus, and Venus will be moving from Cancer to uh, Leo this week. The moon this week will be waxing to the full moon at uh, 10 degrees of Pisces. That'll happen on the 2nd of September, which is Wednesday. And then it will wax, I'm sorry, then it will wane to the disseminating phase uh, at the end of the week. The moon in Aquarius has dignity by face in the third decan of Aquarius. It will then be peregrine in the signs of Pisces and Aries. And then at the very end of the week, it will move into Taurus where it has exaltation rulership and triplicity rulership of the earth signs by nighttime. All right, so that is the planetary condition for the week. Let's move forward uh, to our dailies. Whew. 
we'll make it through this time. I'm doing this on around lunchtime on a Saturday. <laughs> so if, if my brain misfires, I apologize in advance. It's probably me just having some low blood sugar, but I'm going to power through it here because um, that's what we do. That's what we do. What, a, what an effort during this Capricorn moon to try to get this thing out the door. It's been one of the more difficult forecasts to, to really complete, but that's how it goes. And, you know, sometimes you have uh, an easy time getting things done and other times it's a real struggle and we just have to kind of power through. So on Monday, August the 31st, uh, the moon will start off in Aquarius in the waxing gibbous phase. It will be under the bond at 24 degrees of Aquarius, roughly around 6 p.m. That's really the only lunar signification that we are experiencing. The big news of the day really is that Mercury will be conjoining the fixed star Denebola at 21 degrees of Virgo. I'm going to go over to my star chart for a minute and show you what that looks like. And Denebola is right here in the tail of the lion and here you can see mercury very close to it by projected ecliptical degree okay and denebola is the tail of the lion and bernadette brady talks a lot about uh non-conformity in relationship to this fixed star uh, it has to do with alternative lifestyles potentially with its relationship with mercury we may be talking about contrary opinions um, since Mercury likes to cast doubt on things like the cosmic lawyer, we may be questioning societal norms, questioning the establishment, trying to think outside of the box to bring out about solutions, uh, innovative solutions to, to some of the issues that we're dealing with. Remember, Mercury is, is uh, finishing up its journey through the underworld and trying to come back with some kind of awareness of what, what the skills and the details that are needed to craft a new sense of identity. That's part of the lunar cycle that we're, we're working towards fullness here. Remember that started in the third decan of Leo where we were trying to defend our right to be. And we saw this play out with a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement um, where you know black people right now are just kind of defending their right to just exist in a society that has exploited them for a long period of time and continues to treat them uh, as entertainment or as sports figures or as uh, less than, especially when it comes to how they are being policed. And this is the conversation nationally that we are continuing that is a necessity to continue to have. Um, so potentially we'll see some innovative solutions, some innovative discussions about what, how we can move forward. I think we saw a little bit of that last week with the NBA saying, you know, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks saying, you know what, we're not willing to be your entertainment. Uh, this, this has to change and they're using their voice to, to stand up and, and try to enact that change. So maybe we'll see a continuation of that as Mercury conjoins the fixed star Denebola. All right, as we move forward to Tuesday, Let's move forward to Tuesday. Get a little, get a little water here. See if I can quench that little bit of hunger. 
can already feel myself getting dizzy. <laughs> so much fun. Okay. So on Tuesday, September the 1st, the moon is going to be moving uh, under the bond in that position that we can feel where significations are sort of held captive. The moon was a, a planet that brings things into being and, and, and out of being. And when it's under the bond, that may feel like it's uh, uh, a little bit delayed, or we may not be able to do that as, as effectively or as efficiently. The moon's going to move into Pisces at 5.34 a.m. Uh, into that waxing, continuing in that waxing gibbous phase uh, and building towards our full moon. The full moon isn't going to perfect until 1.22 in the a.m., on what, very early on Wednesday morning, but we're really going to be feeling this opposition through Tuesday. The moon is going to be sextiling uh, Mars at 12.56 a.m. before it moves into Pisces from 27 degrees of Aquarius to 27 Aries, and then ingress into Pisces at 5.34 a.m. Uh, we will see Mercury making a trine to retrograde Pluto at 22 degrees of Mercury and Capricorn, respectively, at 6.41 in the a.m. Um, Mercury will be conjoining the fixed star Alkes at 23 Virgo. So that's going to, we're going to pull in significations from Alkes for our, um, or Alkes, I'm not exactly sure the pronunciation, but we'll go with the first one for now. Um, we're going to pull in those significations as we break down the Mercury-Pluto trine. So we'll go back over to our chart and go forward a day and see what we're looking at here. So here we are on September 1st. Mercury is right here. It's of course trining Pluto and we have it conjoined by projected ecliptical degree, this fixed star here called Alkes. And Alkes is part of the constellation, the crater. And the crater is a sacred vessel or a sacred cup we can think of this as the Holy Grail, the Goblet of Apollo. Uh, this is Aladdin's lamp, uh, the cauldron of Bron. It is some sort of uh, receptacle for divinity. And we can think about this as carrying something very precious, some kind of sacred knowledge, communicating divine wisdom, prophetic thinking with its conjunction with uh, Mercury. Now, Mercury has just gone through a journey through the underworld and it is making contact with pluto aka hades the lord of the underworld on this day so this potentially may be uh mercury receiving uh some sort of divine wisdom that it is going to carry into the light as it emerges from under the sun's beams we can think of mercury's journey uh, under the sun's beams it's as its invisible phase where it isn't visible um, as, as this journey in the underworld, as a it's psychopomp journey where it is trying to recover something or, and, and create some kind of uh, or gain some kind of divine wisdom with its conjunction with the sun. Gain vitality, gain gnosis, gain awareness. And here we're going to be plumbing the depths and having contact with Hades to, to bring that knowledge to the surface. And this may be some very important message that, that is going to be uh, helped to be realized as Mercury makes that appearance as a morning, I'm sorry, as an evening star later in the week. So 
some of the significations of Mercury and Pluto coming together. Deep emotional insight, a, a prophetic transformational vision or ideal, uh, penetrating insight, a persuasive argument. So we can think of like uh, this, maybe some manipulation coming into contact with, with Hades. Uh, Hermes conversing with Hades in the underworld, mental intensity, what stays and what goes. Now this is important because the third decan of Virgo talks about uh, how do we preserve material structures to pass on as a legacy versus what do we need to let decay. Uh, and this may be also about, you know, having some discussions about what worn out ideals and societal structures need to just pass on and what do we need to maintain. And this is important with the conversation about how we are going to police uh, a lot of the power structures. Pluto is, is making its way through the third decan of, of Capricorn right now, which is associated with that four of pentacles. And we can talk about that as the throne um, and the power structures that we deal with in society. Uh, and, you know, we may be talking about the legacies of like people like Chadwick Boseman and his uh, ability to unite people through his work as, as a, a, a black superhero or just as a superhero in general. But I think that he held extra importance because he, he really um, was a unifier for the black community for representation as a hero. And I talked about this at the beginning of the forecast, but I just think it, he was such a, um, a divine um, vehicle for that type of energy. And um, yeah, and especially playing other types of historical characters too, talking about figures like Jackie Robinson that broke the color bar barrier in professional sports and really like used a lot of their uh, inner strength and vitality and wisdom to um, move forward, not just himself, but be something bigger than the game, to be something bigger than just a superhero. And I think that there are certain people that tap into those narratives. And we saw uh, some other real you know, life uh, figures like the Milwaukee Bucks becoming figures like Jackie Robinson and saying we are bigger than the game and we're going to use our platform to move forward not just uh, a professional sporting uh, team or event but uh, an entire culture and community and those are the discussions we're seeing about the legacy that we may be trying to bring back from this underworld awareness and also seeing what needs to really to leave uh, th these old ways of of policing these old ways of treating uh, you know, whole entire demographics of society and seeing really the inequality that we're seeing with, you know, treating uh, a, one unarmed uh, black man and shooting him in the back seven times versus letting a witnessing a murder and seeing a young person with uh, an AR-15 walk right past them without even arresting him until the next day. Uh, basically let him leave the state, go sleep in his own bed, and then, you know, eventually arresting him, but uh, a very stark contrast in the way that we are policing in this country right now. Okay, so that is Mercury hanging out with the, the fixed star Alkes, or Alkes. Now, just one other thing to get some of the significations. You can see that this is riding on the back of Hydra, 
which is where our new moon was, uh, was very close to the fixed star Alphard, which was bringing up very deep emotions, uh, is bringing up a lot of painful experiences. This was a sea monster erupting from the depths. And you can see that this cup is riding on its back. Uh, we also have Corvus, the crow here, which if you think about the Corvus is part of the grail story and part of this cup story. Uh, Corvus, the crow, was tasked with uh, filling the divine cup of Apollo, but got distracted along the way with uh, some, some delicious figs or with material reality and was punished for this. Uh, so he had a divine assignment but failed to fulfill that divine assignment due to the material distractions. So again, this is something where we have to figure out how are we going to deliver this divine promise without getting distracted by some of our material uh, realities. And I think that this could be through like, like things with the, the, the sports. Um, you know, yes, we have made some, some changes through that boycott, but the sports are going to be going back to, they're going to be going back to work this weekend. There's going to be more playoff games. And, and, you know, I think it might've been an even more powerful statement just to cancel those seasons uh, altogether, but that is not what they chose to do. So I think it's important to continue the conversation and maybe by continuing to play, they will continue to have the attention of the nation uh, and continuing to further that conversation. So I can see it both ways if I'm thinking about it in, in two different in two different ways. Um, but yeah, this is going to be, instead of just getting lost in uh, the entertainment distraction, continuing to, to maybe focus on the very important, um, more greater societal changes that we're being asked to, to work through right now. Okay, the, the other thing that's happening on Tuesday, around 8 p.m. is that we are going to be seeing the sun moving into the third decan of Virgo. And as we discussed last week with Mercury moving through this particular area of the zodiac, we have a synchronization with the nine of pentacles um, with this position of the zodiac. Now this face uh, sees on the card that is called material gain or just gain in the book of T or book of Toth respectively. This is a, a face that is ruled by Venus and Saturn. Um, we talked a lot about Hephaestus last week, the divine blacksmith. It, the, it will be co-present, uh, the sun will be co-present with its host at the beginning of the week. Austin Kopic in very Hephaestian fashion calls this decan the hammer and the anvil. Uh, and the fixed star Zosma is prominent at 11 degrees of Virgo, associated with victimhood, martyrdom, uh, with um, you know people who work with the downtrodden, potentially with social work or or a humbling experience, potentially even a fall from grace. I have uh, some clients that have this position of the sun that work with the downtrodden. Some of them work with injured animals. Uh, as well as um, doing some creative work around uh, the exiled in society. So there's definitely significations associated with that. Um, we can think about this as an awareness of maybe potentially some of the flaws in our leadership structures. Uh, Austin Kopic talks a lot about spirit becoming encased in matter or in a body. And like Hephaestus, we are trying to take a divine 
ideal, a divine commandment, okay, like a, a request from the gods, and and craft it into something real or tangible, like Hephaestus would uh, through hard work, through through hot, dirty, hard, you know, martial Saturnian work. Uh, it, we can think of this as as Thor's hammer. Uh, that is a, a divine instrument that is very uh, powerful, but has been crafted from the divine blacksmith. And I believe there's another, in Norse mythology, there is a divine blacksmith as well that echoes the Hephaestian themes. I don't remember his, his name off the, off the top of my head, but I know that those are, there's echoing. I believe it was a, a dwarf that was um, responsible for crafting those uh, Mjolnir, I think is the way that you say the Thor's hammer. Um, so we're going to be uh, having an awareness and gaining solar vitality through uh, having an ability to work very hard to bring our vision into manifestation. And we have to be very skilled to bring that divine mission into manifestation. Uh, and that requires an aware, awareness of the flaws within the system. In this particular card, we see uh, a woman or a goddess that is uh, in a very lush garden that she's worked very hard to cultivate, but she is carrying a falcon. She has the command of her skills to be able to weed out any vermin that may threaten the, the creation or the abundance that she's worked so hard to to cultivate. So we can think about uh, being able to weed out inefficiencies, wielding our skill set to be able to like, uh, you know, figure out what stays and what goes. Virgo season is a lot about the harvest. And this is associated with being able to transition from the abundance of summer and prepare for the oncoming darkness and maybe the oncoming lack of the fall and the winter season. So there is uh, almost an anxiety about the feeling of the anxiety. A lot of, I know a lot of people with Virgo placements, myself included, can feel a lot of anx anxiousness or anxiety about impending shortages. And the way to deal with that is to be able to prepare for those impending shortages. And we may be feeling that a lot and having an awareness of that on oncoming darkness uh, as we move through Virgo season in the second decan in particular. Now, one of the things that we talk about with Hephaestus is Hephaestus was, uh, had some really interesting significations as being the, the, the ugliest of the uh, Olympian gods or the least attractive. Or he also had some, some injuries or some, some lameness within some of his limbs, but it was contrasted by his ability to craft these beautiful works of art, these beautiful tools, but through getting very dirty, right? So we may have to do some dirty work. He was also the consort of Aphrodite, the most beautiful of the Olympian gods. So there's this, this dynamic in this Deccan, uh, this, this contrast of, of ugliness and beauty, the hard work necessary to craft that beautiful final product, okay? Or, or whatever it is, that beautiful tool that we are, we are, we are using to uh, be an instrument of the divine. Okay. And this is going to play out with, this, these same themes are going to play out at our full moon. 
because we're going to see a contrast between the vision and the way that we are going to carry it out. So if we move forward to Wednesday, September the 2nd, let's just move our chart forward uh, to the full moon at 1.22 in the a.m. and break down all of the significations that are going to be playing out because there's a lot of them. This one has a lot of, uh, a lot of different narratives playing out. So here we see the chart of our full moon. Uh, nope, I'm going to move that forward one more day. Sorry. There it is. There's our full moon, 122 in the a.m. on September the 2nd. So we are going to be experiencing the full moon. Then the moon will be making a sextile to Uranus at 2.04 a.m. Uh, and it will also sextile a retrograde Jupiter at 3.47 p.m. at 17 degrees of Pisces and Capricorn. And then make a conjunction with Neptune at 19 Pisces. So those are the lunar aspects. Now, the particular moment is very much um, in a trine with Uranus and Taurus. So we're going to draw a line here because it's very close to the exact degree. Okay, so we have a trine there. We have this opposition with the moon that is part of the conversation. Oops, there we go. And we will break this down. So the full moon in Pisces, trine Uranus, very close, you know, very close trine to Uranus. We're also going to be seeing an opposition between Venus at 25 Cancer and Saturn at 25 Capricorn being part of our conversation as well. Now, the sun is co-present with its host Mercury, so it is being provided more resources right now. Um, the moon is going to be sextiling its host Jupiter, but its host will be fallen. So the uh, the skillfulness, the attention to details, the awareness of the material reality or the flaws in the system is stronger right now than perhaps the belief systems that we are trying to 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 infuse it with because Jupiter is in its fall. Um, the two cards associated with this particular lunation are the nine of pentacles that we just discussed and the nine of cups. Now, this is a particular area of the zodiac, the nine of cups, the second decan of Pisces, that talks about satisfaction about going into the divine mind and creating from, uh, I believe, Austin Coppock calls that Deccan the net, uh, kind of like the matrix, where you're going into the matrix and becoming Neo within the matrix and being able to create from that, uh, from, the, from your imagination. And a lot of the themes talk about the vision that we have versus the reality of the vision, maybe not matching up. So we have themes of perfectionism and weeding things out versus being satisfied and accepting the reality that we are within. Um, we have detailed analysis versus seeing the big picture, uh, the idealism and wonder of the belief systems versus uh, feeling this skepticism. Okay, so these are some of the things that we're working through. We've got the lawyer 
uh, Mercury, this mercurial sun coming in contact with the judge uh, represented by Jupiter. Um, so we're going to be seeing a big reveal this week. Uh, and we're going to see the reveal with the uh, appearance of Mercury as the evening star. We're going to be seeing our lunar significations coming to fruition, like the fruit ripening on the vine with the full moon. We've got this opposition of, Mercury, of Venus and Saturn perfecting. Uh, lots of things happening at once. So I could see this, if we go back to our Hephaestus theme, we could see this as like Hephaestus presenting Zeus with a finished creation. Okay, this is, this is the point where the artist, okay, that is working on their craft. Remember the first decade of Virgo where we saw the apprentice that was making a lot of things with that eight of pentacles tarot card where it was working very hard at the craft? This may be where we're presenting the finished product where we're uh, allowing ourselves to say, this is good enough. Any artist will tell you, and I experienced this as um, a musician and as an artist myself, sometimes you, you just run out of time or resources and say, this is enough. It's not really done. I could do more work, but I've just got to let it go. This may be the letting go process where you're saying it's enough. I, I have a, a number of Virgo placements in my chart, and I used to draw when I was a little kid. Uh, and a lot of what happened was I would, um, I would erase uh, so much that I would erase a hole in the, in the paper. And uh, that was, I had to learn not to do that. And I would also get so fixated on one detail, like I would draw faces. And I would get so fixated on an eye and getting the eye perfect that I wasn't thinking about the eye in the context of the rest of the face. And it would always look weird because I wasn't thinking about how it fit in relationship to the other things. So I had to learn to draw the outline first of the face and connect it with all of those things rather than just starting in the eye and spending three hours on the eye alone. So does that make sense? There's a, you have to be able to know where you're going first before you get into the nitty gritty and have a big picture type of blueprint. And we may be experiencing some of those themes right now where we're trying to contextualize what we're doing within the bigger picture. Now this, interest, this is an interesting position too. Um, the first person that comes to mind with this opposition is uh, Michael Jackson. Um, and Michael Jackson had a Virgo sun opposite a Pisces moon. And he uh, had a perfectionism about him, especially with his body, where he was constantly working on his body to the point where he, I would say, did his version of erasing a hole in the page with his plastic surgery and things of that nature, where he may have started out trying to perfect his appearance, but it went beyond uh, small improvements and into maybe almost a, a grotesque reality. And we, we could think about him as the also the uh, balance between craftsmanship and hard work and being able to channel a spiritual uh, type of um, intuition. I think that he was a, a, one of those special cases where he was channeling a lot of this, these divine, uh, intuitive, artistic visions. And, and just, you know, it was pointed out to me by uh, another astrologer, Samuel Reynolds, when I saw him on Twitter talking about uh, the death of Chadwick Boseman and the effect that it, the impact it had on him. And, and he said it was, you know, it didn't, he hasn't experienced an, an effect like this since like Michael Jackson, Prince, 
and uh, I believe there was another artist that died, and they all had Pisces moons. And I, I wonder if we could see, if we think about the moon as the relationship with the public, if all of these figures, Prince, Michael Jackson, Chadwick Boseman, were channeling some higher ideals through, and having that type of impact on the collective. Um, I think that these, these artists resonated on a deeper level than just uh, on a superficial level. They impacted on a very deep spiritual level. I used to say that, um, and I'm a, I'm a big Michael Jackson fan. I mean, I, I think that I, I struggled trying to separate out a lot of who Michael Jackson was as a person versus what he created as an artist and, and struggled with the questions of was it worth the, uh, the abuse that he experienced as a child. I, I, if you're not familiar with his origin story, his dad was very militant and abusive as far as like trying to get him to, to practice and be the best from a very small age. And it also carried on into potentially uh, the end of his life where he may have, you know, repeated some of those abusive themes towards the end of his life. And I often ask myself this question, was the body of work that he created, was the, the love, and I, and I can say that, he created music that, that, and a feeling of transcendence through his work. I've often said that there were two artists when I was growing up that you, th you put them on and they could make anybody start to dance and, and you, they could have an agreement that they were something that they enjoyed throughout all sorts of demographics was Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder. They had a really similar vibe. And maybe you could add Prince into this, although Prince is a little bit more, he creates a little bit more extreme sometimes due to just his being, his Gemini-ness, right? Um, but uh, I think that, um, yeah, there, there was, uh, the question I ask is, is the sacrifice necessary for the beauty that it created? And we could be asking ourselves this at this full moon. Is the sacrifice necessary? Are we, are we working ourselves to death? Are we, uh, you know, is it good enough that we can let it go without becoming the martyr for our art, right? Um, and be becoming like the, and these, these questions are going to come up with the sun on Zosma. Remember, there's, there's associations with victimhood and martyrdom. We don't want to become the martyr for our art, artistic work for our, you know, and you can, I don't know, maybe we think about, you know, Chadwick in this, in these terms. Um, the guy was dealing with stage four colon cancer for the past four years. And if you aren't familiar, most of his Marvel work came out within the last four years. So I can only imagine what he was going through to produce this work um, that was transcendent, that united a nation, a community, a global community, uh, and brought so much joy, like, like Michael Jackson did in his prime, uh, to the black community and, to, and, and transcended across you know, demographic lines. I think that you don't have to be a black person to be inspired by both Michael Jackson and Chadwick Boseman. I mean, it's just uh, some really interesting stories out there and mythology associated with all of them. And, but we have to ask ourselves, how are we going to uh, deal with, with those mythological figures at this, at this full moon? And what do we do about it? How do we continue the legacy 
that those folks began. Now, let's move past Michael Jackson for a second, just talk about Chadwick Boseman and, and the, the pride and the, uh, just the um, ability to see uh, a black man being represented as a heroic figure. How do we uh, continue that legacy that he brought to the cultural awareness? And think about this too. When I was sitting in the, the theater in, in February, late February of 20, I believe it was 2018, just feeling the impact of this experience. And it was an experience. And if you don't remember this time period, people were, uh, were getting dressed up. They were, it, was a, it was a community event to see this movie. Um, and it was something where, you know, it was a, it was a cultural movement. And what kind of, um, how are we going to continue that ability to have representation in our art, in our entertainment, in our sports, in our, in our day-to-day lives? I think that's the thing. How can we have this move forward, not just in our rich and famous, but in our everyday lives? Because I think that's the real question. Sometimes we see with Virgo, how do we apply this to just the, the mundane, the daily lives that we're trying to live? How do we take that energy from a movie like Black Panther and through that inspiration and say, how do we treat uh, the everyday average Black person with that same type of reverence, that same type of equality, that same type of, uh, you know, I don't know, that same type of systemic treatment that white people have been privileged to experience. It was a privilege for 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse to walk past five uh, police, uh, police vehicles after had just murdered people. Same privilege that Dylan Roof experienced when he was taken to Burger King after murdering people in a black church. I believe that was South Carolina. That is a privilege. Uh, it's not a good privilege. It's something that I would say that this Venus-Saturn experience is asking us to give up and say, uh, how do we create more balance in that regard? Um, how do we allow um, the excess that we have? Now, let's start breaking down that Venus-Saturn part of this, okay? The Venus-Saturn part of this conversation is we are trying to bring catharsis through our experience of unifying the haves versus the have-nots. Venus is a, is a planet that is concerned with harmony, unity, um, with bringing things together, with beauty. Um, with Venus in the third decan of, of Cancer, excuse me, we talked about this last week, where this particular decan was represented by the Four of Cups, where we see a figure who has three cups of attainment, who he has enough, and he is refusing the fourth cup. And there's a lot of questions about um, having enough. We've created luxury and abundance. And then how do we distribute that wealth and that excess or that privilege to those that do not have enough? And we're seeing uh, a, a 
eight and opposition with Saturn where we're running into the brick wall. And this particular uh, aspect could be saying, okay, we've, we have these desires for more. We have to work within limitations. Um, we have to maybe be willing to give something up. And I think on some level, uh, the, the change that we're going to see can be initiated by the black community, like the NBA players refusing to be exploited for entertainment uh, of, you know, whatever community that is consuming. Um, it, you know, there is a wealth inequality between, even though NBA and professional sports players are making, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, there's still a great wealth disparity between them and the owners of these teams, most of which are white. Um, they are making in, the, you know, the billions of dollars. So there's still a wealth inequality between that. Um, and thinking about how we are going to uh, make that change from the position of privilege. So the black athletes can initiate that change. I think that uh, people like Chadwick Boseman can initiate that change in Hollywood, where Black Panther was one of the highest grossing movies of that particular year. And that was a big moment where a black star was a, a, you know, in a movie that, that was accepted by the collective. That was a huge move, movement forward. But I will say this, the only way that you can really redistribute privilege is by the, the privileged redistributing it and giving up some of that privilege. And I think that that's part of what this Venus-Saturn opposition is asking to us to do. So it's like, how can we change that system and give up some, our excess of privilege so that it is more fair and there is more equality moving forward for those that don't have it in society? And if you think about that on a personal level, if you have enough, if it's material resources, the questions may come up as how do you redistribute that wealth? How do you are, how are you able to give to those that are less fortunate? If you have enough already, uh, it would be just pure greed to just consume more and, and, and hold on to it, okay? And that's part of the issues that we're struggling with as a collective right now. We have the haves and the have-nots. We have the financial disparity with, you know, the, 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 the rich 1% that are holding on to things and have an excess of privilege. We have uh, a community of white America that has an excess of privilege that is not being distributed fairly to our, um, you know, our, our people of color in America. And those are the real questions that we can start to ask ourselves. How do we give something up as the privileged majority uh, so that we can make that change? And it, that's going to be, there's going to be some hard questions associated with that. And it takes a lot of self-examination. It takes a lot of um, looking in the mirror and speaking up uh, when it is your turn. And it's your turn now. It's your turn. You know, we had the catalyst. We had the, the bravery and the courage of Black America making the start. And now it's time for, for uh, the powers that be in the system to continue that on and to do it through sacrifice, to do it through potentially giving up a sense of entitlement. All right. So that's, I think, what we've got for this Venus-Saturn opposition. There's one more aspect on this day. Now, actually, before I move on, 
Uh, Venus is making one more aspect uh, to the fixed star Procyon. And if I go over to my star chart for a second, we can see that Procyon is part of the constellation Canis Minor, which is the small dog. And here we see Canis Major right here with Sirius. And here's Canis Minor right here in Procyon. Or I'm sorry, here's Procyon within Canis Minor. And here is Venus making a projected ecliptical degree. Now, Canis Minor was called the little dog or before the dog because it precedes the heliacal rising of Sirius. And Sirius was the more important fixed star because it represented return of vitality and fertility to the Nile River Valley in ancient Egypt. This was one of Orion's hunting dogs. Uh, there is a sort of a shooting star energy or a temporary victory associated with this fixed star. Uh, they talk about un, maybe unsustainable success or short-lived glory. With its association with Venus, this could be, uh, I, you could think about this as maybe a trendy fashion or a fad or like fashion trends or fickle taste. Um, my intuition tells me that this may be, if we think about it in context of what's going on, if we could think about like entertainment, like our musicians, like Chadwick Boseman, or like our, our actors, we could say, uh, or our, our sports figures. Uh, and they, they took a stand last week. Now, hopefully, that will initiate more long-term change versus just being a flash-in-the-pan type of, you know, oh, we did this short-lived, temporary, trendy type of change uh, and then we go back to business as usual. I think that is a, uh, a, a, a trap that we could fall into with, with Venus on Procyon. And this could be in our personal lives too, where we're, we're trying to make longer term changes within our relationships to one another. We're going through the, the hard, difficult questions of, of who are we within our relationships. And we don't want to get it fall into the trap of, of laying down a quick fix. We have to think about that we may be tempted to, uh, to, to you know, say that we've resolved this issue, but we have to think about this in the terms of the long term. Everything right now is leading back to Saturn, and Saturn is asking us to delay gratification and to do the long-term hard work and give up things to create longer-term change. And I'll tell you, you've got until about December 21st to figure you know, your stuff out before we have the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, which is the, the entire paradigm shift of the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions happening within a whole new elemental uh, triplicity. Well, it'll be happening within the air signs. And that'll be indicative of a huge communal change. Remember, that only happens in a new triplicity once every two to 300 years. And this is where those are the two outermost planets in Hellenistic astrology talking about longer term societal change. So time to do the hard work now and think about how it can be sustainable versus a, a temporary victory. All right. So going back to uh, the sun trine Mars, uh, or sorry, the sun trine retrograde Uranus, that'll happen at 10.09 a.m. at 10 degrees of, of Virgo and Taurus, very close to that fixed star Zosma. Um, so the sun brings us an awareness of wherever it is moving through, a gnosis. It shines light on something. So we may have uh, shining our light on the need 
for Promethean change with its trine with Uranus. So we're going to create vitality through doing things in a new way, shining light on some sort of innovative solution to dealing with our resources. We may have some urges towards freedom and especially within these relationships as well. We may have new skills or new ways of shaking up the outdated ways of creating security within our lives since Uranus is moving through the second decan of Taurus, which is associated with like consistent uh, distribution of wealth. We can see that associated with the six of pentacle card where we see a figure redistributing uh, resources to the poor. Um, you know, this particular decan was uh, also associated with consistent effort over time. So we're going to be asked to create sustainable change rather than that that is fleeting. All right. Oh boy, this is a long one, huh? Let's move forward. We'll get through it. We'll get through it together as a community too. I mean, this is a, it's a really pivotal moment in our history. And it just seems like every day we get new, new challenges to deal with. But sometimes the most difficult things happen before the, the biggest changes. And change is real, real change, real sustainable change comes a lot of the times through the most painful circumstances. Human beings tend to be creatures of habit, and we, we don't necessarily find comfort in new things, even if we know that what we have isn't very good. <laughs> like, so the discomfort is necessary, the extreme discomfort that we're all going through is I think a necessary part of this, these grander changes that may lead to really just a better society, fingers crossed. All right, on Thursday, September the 3rd, um, we're going to continue our moon in Pisces full moon phase. The moon will escape the bond uh, at about, about 9.30 a.m. Uh, and this happens at 26 degrees of Pisces. I should discuss this in our, our full moon, but as, as a continuation of our full moon, we look at the aspect, the first aspect that the moon makes to talk about sort of the tenor of that moon. And this is a really, uh, a very clear um, trine with a benefic planet. So I think that whatever realizations, whatever fruits of our labor are going to come out, we're going to feel a, a unification type of energy. We're going to feel a coming together of this um, at this full moon, some sort of harmonization. And I hope, I hope so. I hope that that is what is what happens. That's what it feels like. It's going to be able to play out like that. Um, the moon is going to be sextiling uh, a number of the Capricorn planets, including Pluto and Saturn retrograde at 1:55 a.m. and then 8:09 a.m. respectively. It will then oppose Mercury at 8.56 a.m. at 26 degrees Pisces and uh, Virgo. And then it'll make its trine with Venus at exactly at 10.34 a.m. at 27 Pisces and 27 Cancer. It will then move into Aries at 4.21 p.m. Now, there is important mercurial significations happening on Thursday the 3rd. First thing that happens is that Mercury will make a trine to a retrograde Saturn. 
So before it emerges as an evening star under the underworld, it's going to have a conversation with Saturn. Okay, it just got done having its conversation with Hades. Now, whatever was brought up, uh, whatever corruption was brought to the awareness of Mercury, whatever deep uh, insight is going to be uh, now having to have that same conversation with Saturn. Uh, how are we going to build this into the structure? How are we going to let go of the structures that were proven to be corrupt? Uh, how are we going to organize our mental discipline and focus to help communicate the boundaries that are necessary to create that new uh, systemic system that is more fair for those uh, in need? How are we going to use our linear thought patterns, our, so our sober thinking, uh, to create an efficient plan that is uh, really based on the necessity to compost the old way of doing things? Um, what power structures stay? Which ones go? Those are part of the conversations that we may have before Mercury will make its appearance as the evening star at 26 degrees of Virgo. Now that happens around 4.45 p.m. So if we look at this here, okay, if I look at like 5 p.m. or so roughly, you can see that Mercury has separated by 15 degrees from the sun. That is when we see its appearance as the evening star because Mercury will be visible in the evening as the sun sets on September the 3rd. So this is a condition of phasis, which means an omen that speaks. This is Hermes returning from the underworld, revealing the plan, revealing and returning with the new skills and the new knowledge to support the new identity that we were trying to craft at the Mercury-Kazemi phase in the final decan of um, Leo, where it made its Kazemi moment. Okay. Uh, and this is a, a time to really just pay attention to the messages that you hear in the collective, the messages that you receive in your personal life. Uh, what skills are you going to carry forward into the new identity that you are crafting for yourself? Everybody is being asked to have a new identity, whether it's through the coronavirus cocoon, leaving old jobs, leaving old groups behind, whether it's through leaving old hierarchical systems, whether it's leaving old privilege behind so that others may be able to experience a more fair and just society. Figure those things out before Mercury moves into Libra because we're going to be asked, the, the, the conversation's volume is going to start to get turned way, way up as far as what is fair and what, is, what isn't. There is a quality of judgment that happens when Mercury moves into the first decade of Libra. So it's like kind of get your, get your stuff together before that judgment moment. This may happen in our personal lives too, where we're perfecting things and we are using that quality of discernment to uh, leave behind the inefficiencies, to get rid of the rotting fruit that was decaying from the summer and being able to store what will sustain us through the oncoming fall and winter months ahead, even if it's metaphorical. Okay, so that is what we have with Mercury emerging as an evening star. Uh, this is a really powerful moment for Mercury, a really powerful time where we're going to see something in the collective be revealed that is worth uh, paying attention to. Let's move forward to Friday the 4th. 
So on Friday, September the 4th, I'll move my chart back a little bit here. Get the sun. There we go. On Friday, September the 4th, the moon will continue its journey through Aries. Uh, we are still in the full moon phase, that 45 degree phase after the perfection of the full moon at 10 degrees of Pisces and Virgo. Um, we are going to be experiencing some difficult Venus energy on Friday the 4th. So what we're looking at here is a square that is going to be perfecting at 27 degrees of Aries and Cancer between Venus and Mars. And this happens at 5, 12 a.m., so we're going to be feeling the effects of this through Thursday as well. This could be part of the story that is emerging with uh, Mercury as the evening star, since Mercury will be sextiling Venus. So this is part of the conversation. Um, and this is uh, a conversation between Venus and her illicit lover, Mars. Now, I talked about Venus being uh, the wife or the consort of Hephaestus, but she wasn't entirely faithful to Hephaestus. She had a very steamy, illicit love affair with, with Mars and actually was uh, trapped or, or fell prey to a trap, was caught in the act by Hephaestus. He crafted a net, uh, an, a very like invisible uh, divine net that caught Venus or Aphrodite and Ares in the, the coital act, to, to quote the big Lebowski, uh, and called upon the Olympian gods to say, look at what my wife has done. And the, the female gods, the feminine gods were like, no, that's, that's embarrassing. I'm not going to come. But the, the male gods you know, came and gawked at the, at the scene, um, as, as men are apt to do, I guess. But uh, this may be a moment where somebody is caught in the act of something illicit, uh, where there is a, a, a revelation of some kind of um, hmm, some kind of conflict within a relationship, some kind of behind-the-scenes thing that has been happening that creates a, a, a challenging argument. Uh, this could be, you know, something where individual desires come in conflict with the harmonization that is trying to be taken place in our domestic environments with Venus moving through Cancer and Mars moving through Aries, respectively. Mars right now is trying to gain a following in the final decan of Aries to assert its autonomous authority and take action. And Venus is trying to harmonize through lunar significations right now, um, trying to think about what to do with the resources of our domestic environments. So there may be some arguments about what to do with resources. There may be a, a, a budget conversation that needs to take place uh, within that especially because later in the day, Mercury is going to make a sextile to Venus right here at 4.31 p.m. So what we're, what we're experiencing is an argument between Venus and Mars, a challenge, okay, with this nature of Mars here, and then something that is helping to, some conversation, some communication, some plan, some revelation that is helping to reharmonize this type of aspect here that is try, trying to reharmonize the home or the family or the relationship. 
So maybe you have a new plan. Maybe there was something where there was a selfish desire was getting in, in the way of a relationship. Uh, maybe, you know, in our society, we've had, you know, an attachment to, um, to privilege that has prevented equality for, for those that don't have it. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, white America doubling down on, and feeling discomfort and uh, folks like the teenager, 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse, he's such a child. It's just sh so shocking to me that our children are getting swept up in this where he felt so strongly about the systems that were in place and preserving that privilege and that white supremacy that he and his parents drove him into an entirely different state with an assault rifle or a long gun and allowed him to walk the streets in a chaotic situation uh, in the name of a defense of, of the establishment. And that didn't end well. And those are the links that, that people are going to, to double down on preserving that privilege. And that, that to me is part of this uh, Mars-Saturn, but also Mars-Venus discussion as well. So we may have to, to learn as a collective to give some of that up and change that thinking through different conversations and create a new plan. So use the power of Mercury in its exaltation, in its own domicile, having gone through that underworld journey to craft a new detailed plan and say, how can we really work through the detailed analysis of our system to weed out the inefficiencies, to weed out the old belief systems? This full moon was really asking us to, to come to terms with the belief systems that we hold and their implementation in physical reality. And remember, our belief systems may be drawing upon uh, you know, old, outdated things with, with Jupiter in the domicile of Saturn right now. Anytime in history that we have Jupiter and Saturn um, transits, we get a real awareness of some of the, the outdated things that need to leave. And we had this before, I believe the last time was when we had the Occupy Wall Street thing where we saw some you know, abundance, but it was being created in a way that wasn't uh, ethical. We always have crises of ethics with, with Jupiter in Capricorn, because what we're doing is we're composting belief systems that have outlived their effectiveness on the material plane, or that are rooted in, not in divine ideals, but in materialism and material ideals, especially in Capricorn, the earth sign. So you remember, we, if we want to talk about portals, I don't like using that. It's sort of a new age word, but there was thought to be a, an area of the zodiac in ancient astrology that was more of a, a where energy comes in and energy goes out. And that was the, the cancer was where energy came in. That was where birth happened. And in the Capricorn area of the zodiac, that is where forms left. So Jupiter is asking us to compost old belief systems. And if we're able to do that gracefully without all of this martial temper tantrum, I think that we will be able to move forward quicker. Okay. But like I said, just backtracking on that really quickly, you know, everything goes back to Saturn right now. Saturn is, is the, the big 
granddaddy of them all right now asking us to slow down and, and be mature and delay gratification. This is coming through COVID too, where we can't just return to normal or to the old life. We've got to make these changes slowly. We've got to make sure that we're, you know, you know, asking the hard, difficult questions about how we're rolling out the new and letting go of the old. All right, so that's Friday the 4th. And remember, we're going to be uh, seeing a few planetary ingresses over the weekend here. So the energy, that we're, we're wrapping things up on Friday. We're letting go of things and, and making, uh, a real, we're going to see a real shift into the weekend. So let's look at that shift. So on Saturday, September the 5th, the moon starts out in Aries in the full moon phase. It is going to be making a number of very difficult squares to the Pluto, uh, to the Capricorn planets, uh, Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn. So we see the moon is going to be, you know, co-present with Mars. It's not going to perfect uh, the conjunction to Mars till very early on Sunday, but it'll be co-present activating that Mars. And we will see a square to uh, Jupiter at 3.26 a.m. at 17 degrees, a square to Pluto at 1.53 p.m. at 22 degrees, and then a square to Saturn retrograde at 8.09 p.m. at 25 degrees of Aries and Capricorn, respectively. Now, so th this is a continuing and activating that Mars-Saturn square that is that feeling of frustrations bubbling over and not being able to move forward as much as we want to. Now, the big news of the day beyond those squares is that we will be seeing Mercury at 3.46 p.m. ingressing into Libra, moving out of all of its dignity in Virgo. And here we go. We see Mercury now in the sign of Libra, in the domicile of Venus. Okay? So now Mercury is out of its own temple, going on a journey and visiting Our Lady Venus. At the beginning of this cycle, Venus will be in, in Cancer very, very briefly. It'll be squaring its host very briefly. And then Venus, its host, is going to move into a sextile relationship as it moves into Leo. That's good. Uh, that is more positive. That is where uh, Mercury will be able to see its host uh, when it moves into Libra. Now, what does Mercury want to do in its time in the cardinal air sign or the tropical sign of Libra? Well, this particular decan is hosted by Venus. We just talked about the relationship it'll have by square and then by sextile. The rulers of this face are the moon and Venus, respectively. It is consecrated with the two of swords in the tarot. And in, it, in that particular tarot card, we see a figure, a blindfolded figure. Austin Coppock calls this a blindfold and a sword, who is a guardian to a new, uh, to a new terrain. And this is Mott. This is the uh, Egyptian god Mott the guardian of the underworld who uh, weighed the, the newly deceased soul, uh, weighed their heart against the weight of an ostrich feather. So this is about what are you bringing with you from your previous incarnation experience? And it's a judgment. It's what, you're, what did you learn? What 
sins did you commit? What good acts did you perpetuate? And I would, that's why I say, I would encourage you to really clean up your act uh, in the final degrees of Virgo before that judgment comes along in the first decan of Libra. Uh, this particular area of the zodiac, in the theme of Mundi, we had cancer on the ascendant. And the theme of Mundi was like the, the natal chart of the world. And we can see, I'm going to move uh, cancer to the ascendant on Saturday here just to kind of demonstrate this. So this is like a, uh, and I, I talked about this in my talk about uh, the tarot and the theme of Mundi. But we can see that in the theme of Mundi, Libra is on the fourth house cusp. And the fourth house in, in traditional astrology has underworld connotations. It is the darkest place. It is the place that the sun goes to rest at midnight. Um, it is uh, the, the place of our foundations, of our uh, ancestors, of our, of our legacies, of our families of origin that we're drawing upon. And with this particular decan, with Mercury uh, hanging out here, or it will eventually, as you can see, um, we're going to be asking ourselves questions. Mercury always asks questions. It casts doubts. It destabilizes things. And this decan is associated with fairness. What is fair? What did you, uh, what kind of, uh, what kind of results are you getting from the actions that you've taken over the course of your life, over the course of the year? What did you initiate at the uh, spring equinox at, at Aries system that is now coming to full moon fruition at the Libra fall equinox? There's, there's associations with Libra and the fall equinox because that's when we start to see the transition of the power of the daylight, okay, the length of day starts to become equal, and then the nighttime takes on more power uh, as the nights grow longer at the fall equinox. So this decan is, is associated with, uh, you know, advocating for peace. It was called Peace Restored or, or Just Peace in the Book of T in the Book of Toth. Uh, there is a fixed star at nine degrees of Libra in this decan called Diadem, which was about sacrifice to the gods. Um, there was an uh, Egyptian queen that sacrificed her hair for uh, the safe return of the king from war. So there's, there's themes of sacrifice associated here, divine sacrifice. Um, we are going to be weighing two sides of an argument. This may uh, destabilize our relationships on some level too, because Venus will be providing the significations for Mercury. Okay, so this may be where we're asking and weighing two sides of a relationship, asking who we are within our relationships, asking how we attract and what we desire. Uh, and, how, and we may feel some indecision with that uh, particular um, question due to the need to be more objective. You know, this is going to be the time where our thoughts tend to be more about the idealized version of something rather than the real. Um, I've learned this from my astrology teacher, Chuta Bhavadas, that uh, the perfectionist is not necessarily, or the, the, the sign associated with perfection is not necessarily just like Virgo. He, he argues, and I will tend to, uh, I see his logic, that the air signs have associations with perfectionism, 
especially Libra and Aquarius, because we are thinking about the idealized version of something and maybe even some disappointment in the reality not matching up with the uh, idealization. So our conversations may be moving from the detailed analysis of things to what is the idealized version of fairness in societies. And those are going to be tough conversations because Mercury is going to be moving into, you know, a T-square between Mars and Saturn and very briefly, you know, creating a grand cross with, with Venus and Cancer. So some really tough, really tough conversations that are going to be, uh, you know, coming down the pike about uh, what is fair and what isn't. Uh, Mercury is the triplicity ruler of the air signs by night, so there will be communal support. So this may be a, a conversation that's happening in our communities on a grander scheme, not just in our, our personal lives. So get ready to be asking ourselves questions of, of fairness, balance, and distribution of uh, rights, distribution of resources, distribution of privilege and, and um, equality. Okay, so let's move forward and finish up our week. Hope that you are hanging with me here. Thank you for hanging with me. Um, let's move forward to, to Sunday, September the 6th. So on Sunday, September the 6th, the moon will be moving from Aries into uh, its exaltation at 4.43 a.m., its exaltation in Taurus. And what we are seeing on Sunday is a conjunction before the moon leaves Aries with Mars at 12.44 a.m. Then the moon will move into Taurus at 4.43 a.m. And then from the, the uh, first degrees of Taurus, the moon will immediately make a square to a newly ingressed Venus in Leo at 4.51 a.m. Now, let's break down this Leo-Venus. Okay, so this Deccan is hosted uh, by, well, the sign as a whole, Leo is hosted by the sun. So the sun now is in Virgo, and it's in aversion to its host, so it cannot see its host, so it cannot provide the things, the identity that Venus so desires right now. So we, we've gone through these destabilizing aspects, and we may be a little bit confused about who we are, what we want, and uh, it's going to be a little bit until we figure that out, probably until Libra season, uh, when the sun moves into Libra and is able to aspect Venus, where we decide what we want in our relationships and what we desire and and all of those matters moving forward. Um, this face is ruled by Saturn and the Sun. We talked about this when Mercury was moving through here and when the Sun was, that this is a quest for uh, an identity in the first decade of Leo. Um, this was called Strife and associated with the Five of Wands. You can see here that many figures are, are struggling for dominance. So we may have many different voices coming to the forefront. Uh, we desire attention. We have this, this love-hate relationship with attention. Austin Coppock calls it the spotlight, but because of the dual rulership of Saturn and, and the sun, we may at one point desire uh, the attention that comes with, uh, in, in our relationships with Venus, uh, but at the same time, we may be uncertain of it. We may be unsure of it. Uh, the other thing that I think is important in Leo as a whole 
is this quest for authenticity and shining our light and our true selves. And Venus desires being respected in this particular area of the zodiac for, for being truly who we are. So this may be where we, we, dis, we learned what we are not and what we are in a relationship, you know, with, with the Venus staring down the Capricorn planets. And now it's like, okay, now we've figured out what we aren't and what we had to let go of. Now, who are we? Who are we in these relationships when we've let go of these old narratives? You know, what do we really desire now as far as being treated with respect for who we really are? And how do we find that authenticity within our relationships and, and with the things that we desire uh, as a community as well? Um, so another thing we can think about, we could be attracting Venus through putting on and trying on different personas and different masks. Uh, Austin Kavik talks a lot about the mask as trying on different personas in this particular zodiac uh, position. Um, we could be harmonizing through showing and exposing different aspects of ourself that, that maybe uh, we may have a little bit of insecurity at first. This may be where we're testing the water. This is maybe uh, like think about this as, a, as a, a young actor trying on different roles, trying to figure out what uh, they really resonate with, what their truth is. And this could be where we are trying on our own set of different roles within relationships, trying to figure out what really resonates with our heart. And uh, so, yeah, a mixed bag. I also like to think of Venus as the quality of catharsis. In ancient Greek civilization, Venus was responsible for the purity of the Greek plays and the Greek dramas. And what that means is that, you know, she was, uh, you know, making sure that proper emotional purging and cleansing, cleansing is another uh, signification of Venus through ritual, through ritualistic cleansing, that proper ritualistic cleansing was happening in the theater itself. That was one of the roles of the theater. So I like to think of Venus now through our art, through our entertainment, through our rituals that we go through as a society. Are we expressing the backed up deep emotions that need to come to the surface to allow for healing. This is how we are going to continue to heal as a community. And we may see some very dramatic expressions of catharsis that will say this, you, you may see this in our entertainment and our sports and our community saying, this is who I am. And I'm expressing this deep part of myself. And I'm going to, we are going to heal through that authentic expression, through being yourself, truly yourself. Not through, through just kind of being what other people want you to be, through really having an authentic expression of who you are. That's how you're going to be able to create that harmony this time around. All right. Also, since the Venus is ruled by the sun, this may be attracting favor of authority figures too. Now, this is probably not going to happen when the sun is moving through Virgo since the sun is in aversion to Venus. But once the sun moves into Libra, this may be a time where we may be attracting uh, authority, favor of authority figures and harmonizing with authority figures since I believe there will be at least a small period of time where the sun and Venus are in mutual reception, even though the sun will be in its uh, in its fall. Okay. So I think that that is what I have for this week. Let me stop my share here for a second. So thank you for sticking things out. Uh, 
looking at the week ahead, um, the 7th, September 7th through the 13th, on Wednesday the 9th, the, the sun will be trining uh, retrograde Jupiter at 17 degrees of Virgo and Capricorn. Uh, the big news on that day and of the week will be Mars stationing retrograde at 28 degrees of Aries. So we'll, we'll break that down. That's going to um, be a big part of our fall. Um, Thursday, the, ni- the 10th, we're going to experience the last quarter moon with the moon at 18 Gemini squaring the 18 degree Virgo sun. So this may be where we're really wrapping up this lunar cycle and seeing some shifts and being able to maybe change our minds and let go of the things that weren't serving us and, and prepare for the, for the new lunar cycle that's going to be happening in the weeks ahead. On Friday, 9-11, the sun will be opposing a retrograde Neptune at 19 degrees of Virgo and Pisces, respectively. And Mercury will be moving into the second decan of Libra and conjoining that fixed star diadem at nine degrees of Libra. On Saturday, the 12th, Jupiter stations direct at seven degree, 17 degrees Capricorn. So finally, we'll have some improvement in Jupiter's position. And Mercury will conjoin the fixed star Vindemiatrix at 10 degrees Libra, uh, which was a fixed star that was called the grape gatherer or associated with uh, some difficulties in relationships. It was called the widow maker. So we'll break that down. Also on Saturday the 12th, the sun will be moving into the third decan of Virgo, where we're really going to have a, an awareness and a focal point of what we're trying to preserve for the fall and what we're going to be leaving behind. And then finally on Saturday, Sunday, the 13th, uh, the, the sun is going to be fixed, uh, conjoining the fixed star Denebola at 21 degrees of Virgo that we broke down earlier in the forecast today, but then the, now the sun's going to be conjoining it. Okay, that's what I've got. Uh, I hope that you're all doing well. Um, so we're really going through some difficult times as a collective and as a community. And I think patience is the key. I think conversations and listening is the key. I think delaying gratification and really trying to have empathy for somebody that is maybe not, uh, that hasn't walked necessarily a day in your shoes. I think it's important. It's important to really reach out and think about what someone else's experience may be like and not assume that everyone's life is like ours. And if we see that injustice and that inequality uh, with our neighbors and our brothers and our sisters, to actively be the ones that are uh, potentially giving something up to create change. I think that that's important. I think that um, that awareness of the inequality in the system requires sacrifice. And I think if we're able to do that, we're not just sacrificing for the downtrodden. I think everybody wins when we have a more fair and just society. Uh, when we treat others the way that we want to be treated, uh, that's the, really the, the golden rule that you see across many different spiritual traditions. Because you know, eventually these things will reach uh, the privileged. There is a way in the, in the universe for energy to be rebalanced. You can see this in the, the yin and the yang in the Taoist tradition is you always have the seed of the opposite being planted in these actions. And let's, um, I encourage you to uh, just put your listening ears on and be that change. Be inspired by the black members of your community. But if you are a member of the white community to take action as well, because I think real change is gonna happen when we have everybody trying to work towards 
the change that needs to happen in the world. All right, everybody, that's what I've got. Thank you for hanging with me. Um, thank you for, for letting me be uh, a guide through this for you and being, you know, a voice. I'm just trying to, you know, live through this with, with all of you. I don't have all the answers. Um, I am trying to listen and learn just as much as, as the rest of you and try to change even some of my own habits and belief systems along the way. It's, it's very important as a community that we do that. And uh, yeah, and if you are enjoying these, these uh, forecasts, um, there is a link to, uh, to donate if you want to do it that way. Um, if you want to also support the work that I do, make sure you hit the subscribe and the like button and share it with your friends. And um, yeah, I hope that you're all doing well. I love all of you and I hope that you will uh, be kind to one another and to yourselves. And uh, let's uh, get ready for that, that beautiful flowering, I think, that's going to happen with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, this, this new start that we're preparing for, this, this great um, emerging from the grand cocoon into something hopefully uh, more new and just society for everyone. Take care, everyone. Peace.